Hi, it's David Locke, host of Locked on NBA, and this is one of my most favorite shows. We, my 25 years in the NBA, I've met a collection of scouts, coaches, former front office people that are willing to come on Locked on NBA anonymously. This is somebody who is currently hired by an NBA team and is able to come on the show and gives us his thoughts, but he does it anonymously. So great insight into what he's seeing around the league. You may agree or disagree, but this is somebody hired by an NBA team who's sharing their thoughts in front office meetings. So I hope you really enjoy it. It's a special treat here on Lockdown NBA. Please share it with a bunch of people. Is it something we do that nobody else does? And I hope you really take the insight and get some good NBA knowledge out of it. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at SeatGeek. SeatGeek does a wonderful job in revolutionizing how tickets are purchased. Use the promo code LOCKED and you get $20 back. It is also brought to you by Draft. Have you played Draft? So fun. Five players, snake drafts, day of games, each and every day. Check it out at Draft.com and use the promo code LOJAZZ. You can also download the app Draft. We have a bunch of Locked On games going on. There's an exclusive Locked On Fantasy Draft one. L-O-Jazz is your promo code to jump in and get that. That's L-O-Jazz for your promo code on that. All right, I'll tell you more about them, but let's get it going. This is a special treat. It's the Scout on the Locked On Podcast Network's Locked On NBA. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Well, Scout, let's start off with big picture items. The pace of play in the league right now is is higher than it's ever been. What are you seeing in whether you think that's sustainable and whether you're seeing that it's actually the impact it's having on the game? Uh, I'm going to go with bad defense, number one. Um, A lot of foul calls out on the perimeter that uh, keep the defense from getting after the offense as much as they do. And then just, uh, you know, floor spacing has improved throughout the league. And uh, you have four guys on the floor usually that can shoot threes. So it gives a chance for more points to be put up. I was in a debate the other day about this. Does it make any aspect of the game more important? Is offensive rebounding which is way down across the league. Is that suddenly a more important skill? Is it a less important skill? Cause you have to get back in transition. Are there anything, any aspect of the game with this kind of four or five possession increase that is more or less important than it used to be? Uh, I definitely think the, uh, the emphasis of offensive rebounding is, is a factor because everyone's so conscious of getting back and you don't get back to the pain anymore. It used to be that you got back to the paint. The first guy gets back to the paint and then next guy gets back to the free throw line. And now uh, the pain is okay, but it's more important that we find the shooters right away. And if we get the ball stopped and find shooters, then the pain is secondary. So, um, I think offense is, like you said, offensive rebounding and transition defense and uh, transition defense to shooters or to areas versus uh, to protecting the basket. I think that's been a big change. And um, I think it's interesting when you look at it and um, the five men are 
important to the game and they get a little de-emphasized by the media types like yourself, but um, the guys like Clint Capella that you know roll every time or DeAndre Drummond or um, the big kid in Utah, uh, Gobert, those guys that roll all the time, they create help because you still don't want to give up a layup at the rim. And so those guys are are vital to helping that spacing out. Uh, it works even with the Warriors. I mean, there's times that, you know, obviously they go five out, but if they put in rookie Jordan Bell, he's rolling every time, bogus rolling every time. And that creates the help from the corners usually, um, or else it gives up a layup and it helps create, you know, those easy shots and gaps for the ball handler as well. So I think uh, the five-man doesn't get as much um, reward as he needs to be. He's kind of like an offensive lineman, but he's important to helping those other guys out. Um, so I still think that five-man is important in the game. It's interesting. Uh, the offense is actually no better in the league right now, which – despite all the pace and everything else. Maybe maybe if it was slower, it wouldn't be as good, and so it's actually better. Who knows? Um, it's interesting. One thing that I've watched, and this is because I'm watching Utah, and it's so contrary to spacing, but I'm wondering if there's a value to it, is, is so many teams are able to pull your big off out of the middle of the paint now uh, with different mechanisms, predominantly shooting, that secondary rim defenders are almost becoming, I think, a bigger deal. You th- and they don't have to be bigs, but you think about Draymond Green and Kevin Durant, I would think of both of them as rim defenders. You get by one, the other one's been at the rim for the Warriors last year. Uh, in the case of the Jazz, it's two bigs. It's you get, you pull Gobert out and Favors is still around the rim. And it's, it's interesting to me. And I don't know how you defend, how you work these two things, which is having a secondary rim defender while still spacing the floor. But the secondary rim defender is not a phrase I've heard a lot or talked about. But I think it's pretty valuable because it's pretty easy now to pull one rim defender out of the out of the lane. Well, I think you can take credit for coining that phrase. And if you wish, I'd go ahead and copyright it. I think that. Um, I think that's important. I think um, I was around a coach for a long time who talked about paint consequence. When the ball goes into the paint, uh, it's typically three things that if you're a physical team that you want to be known for, which is a block, a charge, or an NBA hard foul. Um, You still have deflections and steals that you can add in there, but um, those are generally – uh, a little bit softer stats, and if you go for deflection or steal, it doesn't necessarily mean that you've gotten a stop. But um, having those guys that are willing to take charges or that can block shots if you're Kevin Durant or um, that are just in the way, a lot of times you know, guys end up one of the most common things with bigs now is, is the half roll and being able to roll a guy who's a good passer, being able like a bogey that can roll to the dots or roll to the free throw line and then be able to pass out to the corner. So they engage that secondary defender or secondary rim protector, I think is what you call it, and uh, then they're able to pitch out and find the open guy. Um, you know, I think, like you talked about Utah, another team that is kind of that way is New Orleans, and you look at 
DeMarcus Cousins now, he's always been one of the top guys in taking charges in the league, but this year he's second or third in blocks as well. And so he's able to do that while, um, you know, while you have Davis out on the perimeter a little bit more. But most teams are trying to engage or bring that guy out in the middle pick and all. Everybody switches one through four now almost across the board. And so if you can get a switch on a, a four-man guard and a point guard, if I'm playing Utah and Derek Favors guarding my point guard, I, I, I like my chances, typically. Um, you know, and there's teams that will switch everything. And uh seen that, and the Rockets are one of those teams that a lot of times they switch one through five. And so then you get into that mismatch. And then the thing that I think we miss is that uh, – they don't get punished enough. Like we used to talk in coaching and punishing the mismatch. Well, punishing the mismatch ends up being a point guard has a five man on him and he shoots a jumper. Like that's doo doo. That's not what you want to do. You want to throw the ball to the seven foot kid and let him shoot a uh, eight foot shot over that guy who um, he has a size advantage on, or be able to just take him to the rim and dunk it. But uh, I was watching a game against the Nuggets, the Nuggets and the Rockets, and Miles Plumley gets a switch, and he's got Chris Paul guarding him on the block, and he throws the ball out. Like, he has a foot and a half and 40 inches vertical leap over Chris Paul, and he throws the ball out instead of punishing him and putting it in the rim. So uh, for old-school guys like myself, that's a little bit hard to watch. All right, let's uh, stay big picture for a second. Any players – Young kids, old kids, whomever you've seen uh, so far this year that jumped out to you that maybe, wow, this is a different guy, has really made a jump in their game that you've seen here in the early going? Well, I think so far you'd say Victor Oladipo is one of them. Um, he's he's played at a higher level uh, so far, a small sample size, but so far he's played at a, at a higher level than I've seen. Um, Kelly Oubre... Uh, up until, you know, for eight games, he's played six pretty good games. And he's been a guy who, through eight games, might play two pretty good games. So he's really helped and got himself into the starting lineup with Washington and, and helped them. Uh, those would be two guys off the top of my head, along with, you know, like Ben Simmons and, of course, Embiid. Ben Simmons, I talked to three announcers recently who've seen Ben Simmons. Like, they're talking about magic. His rookie year. Is that crazy? Mm, that's probably his closest comparison just because of size and the way he plays. You know, Magic wasn't a great three-point shooter ever. He was a better shooter as he went along, but um, that's probably probably the closest. The other guy I'd probably say is Aaron Gordon in Orlando. I mean, they've been playing, surprising a lot of people, and and he's had a pretty good start. Orlando's got the fourth best differential in the NBA right now. Do you buy that they're that they're that good? Nope. There's there's they have some real abnormalities that are going on in shooting numbers both offensively and defensively that would lead you to believe. Okay, but so they're not plus nine point six. Are they plus are they a five hundred team? Are they a forty five win team? What do you, what's your take on that? Uh might have to see them more in person before I made a bold statement like that, but I'd say that um, 
Coach Vogel's a good coach. Um, he's good at defining roles. And I think they have more defined roles maybe than they've had in the past with that group and guys know what to expect. And um, they're playing, you know, they're playing at a high level. And um, the guys that they have are pretty consistent in what they do. Um, some of the guys that they had in the past weren't as consistent. So you saw a lot of up and down and then it's hard to be consistent with rotations and then it's hard to be consistent with your play. Let's, um, let me go back to something you just said. So both Victor Oladipo and Damana Sabonis have been really good. Is this an indictment on Russell Westbrook at all? Is this, um, you know, the comment was that Westbrook had no one to play with last year. Is that true, or is it that Westbrook didn't give guys he was with a chance to be good, considering how good they've been in Indiana? Um, I still think it's eight games into the season, so I wouldn't make any uh, shocking revelations at this point. But I think um, in Indiana, they need Oladipo to score, and he has the ball in his hands, even though he's off the ball. He has the ball in his hands a lot, and he's playing in a Russell Westbrook fashion in that he's really pushing the ball and trying to attack. So I think um, while he did that some his rookie year and second year, I think, you know, he kind of picked up some some things being around Russell Westbrook, but his, uh, he hasn't taken as many bad three-point shots as, as he has in the past, and he's been more of that guy that's been attacking the rim and, and attacking the shot clock. Uh, with Sabonis, um, I think he's in a good place for him. You know, so much of when we make decisions on players and whether they're bust or whether they're good players or or whatever, a lot depends on where you're at and what the time he is. And um, Sabonis has gotten off to a good start. He's played in a similar fashion to the way he played in Oklahoma City, except I thought that he was shooting a lot more threes in Oklahoma City than um, than he has so far this year in the couple games I've seen. And so I think it's, you know, knowing who you are and, and uh, being responsible or be a star in your role, you know, be who you are and not try to be something that you're not. Or I think sometimes as I watch uh, teams warm up, you see a lot of guys that have uh, – guys out shooting three-pointers that shouldn't be like it's it's okay to shoot mid-range shots. And if you're a good mid-range shooter, I was around a guy named Rip Hamilton who was a pretty good mid-range shooter, and I'd take his 60% at two-point shot over a lot of guys, 30% at three-point shot every day of the week. And I know that we got a chance to rebound the ball when we're shooting mid-range shots. And it's harder to rebound the ball when you're shooting three-point shots. So I think it helps you become more efficient as a team as well. So, uh, again, I digress on the style of play in the NBA. I'm sorry. <laughs> Talk with the scout, NBA scout, hired by an NBA team, does the scouting reports, files, and comes on our show anonymously with his dry, fun sense of humor that he mocks me with with regularity, and we greatly appreciate his time. We'll start running through some of our individual teams and what we've seen so far uh, in the season. 
But first, I want to make sure you know about SeatGeek. You've probably heard about SeatGeek. Have you downloaded the app yet? You should have, because SeatGeek has revolutionized how you buy tickets to sporting events. NBA game you want to go to? then SeatGeek is the answer. College football, pro football, SeatGeek is the answer. Why? Because you download the app, you have it on your phone, and now it's so easy. First, go over to the settings tab, enter in the promo code LOCKED, and when you use your first purchase, you'll get a $20 rebate. Why would you use SeatGeek? First, they compile all of the tickets from everywhere around the area and all the different brokers in one spot for you so you don't have to search around. I used to hate that. You never knew if you're getting a good deal. You spent so much time on it. It almost wasn't worth it. Now SeatGeek does it for you. What happens if you're traveling you don't know the arena or the location very well? SeatGeek gives a ticket score to every single ticket in the building to make sure that you know what are the best deals, which in your price range. You can put all sorts of little filters on it for you. And then once you get it at your phone, it's secured and it's set for you and you are guaranteed to have a great experience with it. It is also a chance for you to set price alerts for upcoming events. That's what makes SeatGeek the number one place. That's where I'm buying my tickets to all my events. Whether it's a local event, you're on the road, you can search it out, find it on SeatGeek with ease, and make sure you're getting the best deal. Know the value of your tickets and have it secured on your phone. Download the SeatGeek app now, go to the settings tab, enter the promo code LOCKED, and you'll get $20 back on your first purchase. Thunder are 4-3. and three. They're 4-0 and oh against the East. They're 0-3 oh against the West. Their differential is awesome, largely because they beat the hapless Knicks by 21, the more hapless Bulls by 32. But last night's win, or two nights ago's win over Milwaukee by 20, was pretty impressive. What's your take on what you've seen out of the Thunder and the mix of three guys so far? Um, I think Russ Westbrook and Carmelo are a good fit. Um, I think they have a dependable five in Steven Adams and Paul George. He, I think he's kind of the, uh, X factor in a lot of ways. Cause he's, he settles a lot right now with their team. And, um, he's been so used to being a focal point for the last three or four years where he's been the number one guy. And, um, you know, Carmelo's played enough that he's, shared the ball. Um, I think he's comfortable with who he is. You know, Paul George is still trying to prove to everybody that he's worth, you know, the Supermax contract and he's worth getting traded for. And um, he seems to be a little bit more about Paul George than the other two guys. Um, I mean, I think I've seen Westbrook play similar to last year maybe even deferring a little more than he did last year. I think he knows that both those guys, he needs both those guys to score for them to, to go further. But they have a, you know, they have a good, they have a good group because Westbrook is big enough. Um, with Mello and George, they can switch a lot once before and they switch with size. You know, there's still, you know, nobody's going to take Westbrook to the post and abuse him because of his effort and aggressiveness. And they have Adams. Uh, I'm just surprised Adams doesn't play more. That would be the most shocking revelation to me about about the Thunder and the way they are, um, because then they go small and put in some crazy groups to me. But uh, I'd play Adams a lot more if I were a coach, but I guess that's why I'm not a coach. 
their second unit, they're letting Carmelo play without George and Westbrook and letting him just play iso ball. I'm surprised they're not using Paul George there. I think he, he's a more efficient offensive player, and it would solve a little bit of what you're just talking about. Do you think they evolved to that at some point? Um, not sure on that one. Um, they have that, that second group so far is, uh, you know, just a bunch of guys running around and Carmelo, uh, being the main guy to score. And, uh, like I said, with George, he's seems I don't know what the stats are, but he seems to settle for a lot of, a lot of jump shots. And I, I think, uh, that second group is kind of a defensive group with the exception of, of Melo. Uh, Toronto Raptors are four and three. This was my pick to win the East this year, or at least to be the number one seed in the East. Uh, um, and they've, you know, they've played some really good teams, lost to the Warriors and Spurs. They've been on the road an awful lot. They got, they had a great win against Portland where they just looked awesome. And then I didn't see it last night, but they got blown out by the Nuggets. What's your take on the Raptors? Um, I had a chance to watch a little bit of that game last night, and uh, they weren't very engaged to start off with. Um, I don't think they're very deep. Um, you know, they've they've lost a few people, um, and I think there's a, there's an awful lot on on the shoulders of of Lowry has to play great. Um, and you know, Lowry and Drozen have to play great, and then uh, I think the games that they played the best, uh, Alantunas has played played well, but he does. He's another guy like Stephen Adams. Like I don't know why he doesn't play more um, from an outside observer. So it's interesting because he he impacts the game, um, and I know there's times where you have different mismatches. Um, but I, I think he impacts the game and the games that they played good. He's been on the floor. So you don't you don't like their depth. I I, I find you're probably right. Let me clarify that. But I like their I kind of like that whole Siakam, Delon Wright, Pirtle Nogueira athletes against Portland. And obviously Portland went one of seventeen in the second quarter. So, but they just got into Portland's space. They were so quick defensively. Um, they really were able to dictate the game with with some speed and athleticism, and then they had the shot makers in DeRozan and Lowry that I just, I don't know, I thought it was a great mix. But what is it about that bench group that you're not sold on? Um, I don't think they have the experience. How about that? Let's start with that. The experience... Um, and the, um, I don't think there's great quality. Uh, maybe I just caught them on, you know, three or four bad nights that I've seen them, but I don't think they have that, that quality of depth. And yeah, I can see, um, you know, that game in Portland. Um, but again, there's, there's an awful lot on Lowry and DeRozan that they have to play every night and the Bacchus. Still, you know, being the surge back of recent years and shooting jumpers, shooting jumpers, shooting jumpers. And if he's not making jumpers, then he's not very good out on the floor. And 
he's kind of he's that guy and it's kind of like we talked about Orlando he's kind of that guy that you never know what to expect you know he's he's going to have a game where he has 20 and 8 is about as high as he's going to rebound anymore but he's going to have that game where he hits three or four threes and really puts pressure on you to come out and guard him and then he can get by you once or twice but then he's going to have games like last night where um, he's no show I mean shot two air balls last night and missed free throws and um so you just never I think it's hard like when you have a starting team you need to know what you have every night and those teams like a team like Sacramento is a six uh, I think six different starting lineups in eight games like you never you never give them a chance to find out who they are and you never uh, you know you never really get a chance to get some continuity but there has to be everybody's a creature habit in the NBA and where you're at rotation wise where you're at expectation shot wise guys are well aware of that over the course of the long haul um, as coaches we're the same way and you want to know that yeah, I can depend on this, um, that I know every night Rudy Gobert is going to give me three block shots and he's going to give me 12 rebounds and I can throw it to him. And I know this is dependable. And um, I think as coaches, we need that. And I think it hampers how you play otherwise when you don't have that important. I know that Lillard and McCollum, 95% of the time are going to, you know, combine for 45 to 50 points. You know, we got that and they're going to allow everybody else to play off them and make their games easier. Uh, I couldn't agree so with I think, you. I couldn't agree with you more on this. I, this is, I think this is, I, I just want to really emphasize this. I, I think this is a really important point. We talk about it a lot with the big three, um, when they get in these teams, but there's a rightful, or I call it the rightful order of the basketball universe. Like every team has to go into a possession, kind of knowing, all right, my first shot opportunity here is Damian Lillard, and if he doesn't get it, then it's CJ McCollum. Well, then if it comes to me after that, then I'm comfortable and I can take my shot. But if you go into the possession not knowing, then it's never clear. Like, well, am I supposed to shoot here? Am I not supposed to shoot here? And it's where turnovers pick up. I, I think this is this is a huge. What you just said. If people weren't, if you're driving your car and you weren't fully paying attention right there, you're listening on your Alexa. Not full. Back up the last two minutes, because Scout, I, I really think that's. And I, you know, you saw Denver last night. We saw Denver early in the year. They just had no idea who's supposed to shoot on any possession. I don't know if they have it figured out yet, but I. I think that was that's a huge storyline in this early part of the season with a bunch of these teams. Well, Denver knows that the ball's got to hit Jokic's hand or Millsap's hand. And last night against Toronto, Millsap scored eight of the first 11 points, I think. And he changed the way all of a sudden that, that uh, Toronto had to play. And then he made the game easier for the next guy. And then when Jokic has it, he can pass the ball in such a way that, you know, he puts pressure on guys to have to guard him. And then he can go one dribble and put the floor and get to the rim. But, uh, and they know that Gary Harris is, you know, he's going to, you can count on him that he's going to be able, if we, if he's not wide open in transition and knock down a three, that we can run a pin down and get it get a shot for him. And there's going to be nights he's not going to make them, but more often than not, there's going to be nights that he's going to be pretty consistent. What's your, what's your take on, on Denver at this point? And they've, 
they've beat some teams that are not particularly uh, well thought of, and they have lost until last night to teams that were the, on the other side of the spectrum. What's your take on Denver? Um, I do think they have a little uh, psychosis on them. Um, I think one of the bright spots for them so far has been Will Barton has been pretty consistent um, with his play off the bench. Um, but I think with, with Denver, their biggest issue is that their three best passers are probably uh, Millsap, Jokic, and Plumley. And so I think, you know, they have the issue that point guard Jamal Murray's a good scorer, and they're trying to make him into a point guard so that he's on the floor. But um, it's a work in progress. And I think Moutier's had, you know, some pretty consistent minutes so far this year. But um, he giveth and he taketh away, or he taketh and he giveth away, whichever way you want to say it. But he is uh, their point guard situation is is going to be up in the air, and getting rid of Jameer Nelson didn't help that. Talking with a scout here on Locked On NBA Mondays each week, we hit the biggest news stories from the local experts of the Locked On Podcast Network. So make sure you get ready for that each and every Monday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Before we wrap up with the scout, uh, we'll hit rookies and the Rockets and some of the other Pelicans and some of those teams before we wrap this up. I want to tell you about something that's so fun. It's called Draft. You can get it as an app just called Draft. It's daily fantasy basketball, but it's not like the other guys. You play real live snake drafts with other people. I set it up every Wednesday on the Lockdown Podcast Network. We all have Draft Wednesday, and we play against the other listeners. It's so fun. Some of my buddies and I can get together and do it. You have a six-player draft, five-player draft. You do it as a snake draft. It takes almost no time at all. And then you watch as the night as your guys compile points, rebounds, everything else. Use the promo code LOJAZZ. It's LOJAZZ, J-A-Z-Z. And you'll get a free deposit with it. Come in and join the draft today. Download the app anytime. Just search draft in your app store and join Game in Minutes. Try it. If you're a Hoops fan and you're watching every night, it's so fun. For a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into draft. When you make the first your first deposit, you have to enter in the promo code LOJAZZ. Real money to play a game that's so fun. I promise you, this is going to be one where you're like, this is great. Get a bunch of group of guys together, play on a daily basis, and do it at draft. It's a super game to get six, seven, eight buddies together and do drafts on a regular basis and make the NBA even more fun. Draft.com on your computer. Draft as an app, and the promo code is LOJAZZ, and you will thank me later for this. Let's talk. Uh, we'll go rapid fire here for a little bit. We'll hit on a few more teams best and, and some other things. Best rookie you've seen so far this year? Ben Simmons. Yeah, does he even count? Um, all right, best rookie drafted this year? <laughs> um, I guess uh, Jason Tatum. Really? Both offensively and defensively? Uh, maybe because he surprised me in how well he's played so far. Um, and I think second would be De'Aaron Fox in Detroit. I mean, uh, in Sacramento. I haven't seen much De'Aaron Fox. Give me a little rundown on what he's doing. Um, they're bringing him along slow, so he's coming off the bench. Then he started one game, but um, he pushes the ball great. Uh, has a good mid-range game. And when he wants to, he can get up and guard for 94 feet. 
Um, I think he has a charisma about him that leads him to be a, a point guard. He, I think he likes to play point guard and is comfortable making passes. You mentioned Ben Simmons. Uh, what's your take on he and Embiid and where the Sixers stand right now? Um, I think their team is kind of, you know, working their way to an identity. And um, I just saw them play the exhibition game, so it would be hard to make a, a definitive judgment about them. But um, I think they have size that they can play with, um, you know, versatility. Um, the question mark that hopefully J.J. Redick answered is that, you know, you continue to have good shooting, and Robert Covington has been off to a good start. Um, last year, he he might have a good half and a bad half. He might have a good game and a bad game, and so far in short sample size, it looks like he's been more reliable and having good games, and that helps with their floor spacing when you have Simmons, who's not, who's not a great shooter, out there. Pelicans, to me, are like the untalked-about story because we had such a crazy offseason, but the DeMarcus Cousins-Anthony Davis match probably would have been the number one story on any other year. Uh, they're three and five as we hold this conversation. Their three wins are the Lakers, Kings, and the Cavaliers. Uh, their losses are all against pretty good teams, Memphis, Warriors, Portland, Orlando, and Minnesota. What's your take on how this is, is working with DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis? Sold on Orlando being a good team now, it appears. Well, I, um, well, they they blew them out. So for the Pelicans' case, they better hope because Orlando won by 16 in New Orleans that night. I think Demarcus Cousins is having a pretty good year. I saw somewhere where he was uh, like the top fantasy player, and um, his t- numbers have been pretty pretty crazy, especially. Uh, some of the games he's had, he's had like six steals in the game, and he's had six or seven blocks in the game. And um, he's playing consistently and staying on the floor. Um, I think they're they're another one of those teams. I think they made a great pickup when they got Jameer Nelson. Um, they needed a a guy like him, um, somebody who's steady, but can make shots. It'll be interesting to see what happens when Rondo comes back um, because he's not very good at sharing the distribution. Um, I don't think you can play them together, but um, I think Jameer was a good pickup for him. They needed they needed that. They need another steady ball handler who could shoot. Um, they, need, they need more shooters to help take the pressure off the other two guys, but they're guys that uh, they almost have to combine for you know fifty to sixty every night for them to have a chance because they're just I don't think they have a great depth in their organization chart. But I'm sure you'll disagree with me like you did with Toronto. No, I won't actually. I, I'm I'm going to be the overzealous media guy here. I, I find their their next two weeks to me, might define their season. They go on a four-game road trip where they play Dallas, Chicago, Indiana, and then at Toronto. And then they come back shortly thereafter and begin to play a stretch that's pretty loaded for the next period of time. 
And I, I kind of feel like that – I mean, I don't know how long they have to get it right. right. I mean, DeMarcus is a free agent at the end of the year. He's obviously combustible. If they don't go and blast Dallas coming up here and they don't blast Chicago and they don't go beat Indiana – they then have a Toronto Clippers. Atlanta's not good, but then a Toronto, Denver, Oklahoma City, San Antonio, Phoenix isn't good. Golden State, Minnesota, Utah, Portland, Golden State, Denver. I mean, they've got a stretch where if they don't straighten this thing out by December 6th, they could be 10 games under 500. Um, you're like Karnak, the Magnificent. You figured that out already. <laughs> um, I'm under the impression that um, I think everybody's on unnoticed there. I think GM's unnoticed, the head coach is unnoticed. Uh, you know, I think if if things go bad, they can spiral bad. Um you know, but I this four game or this four game trip, you know, two and two is just okay. Three and one says that, you know, they're kinda making strides and getting over the hump. I think that's but, you know, they're the same team that can go one and three and uh, you know the thing with them that I think is interesting every year is just uh, Anthony Davis misses games Drew Holiday misses games and those are two of their you know top three guys that they need to be in there and helping and um, so any any little thing like that the wheels could fall off fall off pretty quick and I think you've seen a very focused cousins at this point, and he knows that it's you know a big money year for him. Um, you know that's a team that they could have if they don't if they don't do well. They could have a real question mark in what they're going to do with with cousins and Davis. Like, can you keep both of them? Can you pay Cousins the the big contract he wants? Um, you know, does he have the marketability, or is it that uh, Anthony Davis has more marketability and, you know, a trade deadline and they're 10 or 15 games under 500 do they trade Anthony Davis and try to reset. So it'll be interesting to see for sure. Final one for you. Um, any reason to, you know, the Rockets were projected to be two or three in the West behind Warriors. Anything you've seen out of them that projects them to be five, they're five and one on the road. Are they, are they better than people think? Are they what people thought? Uh, any quick take on the Rockets? Uh, they are who we thought they were. Nice. I like it. I set you up for that. You're welcome. <laughs> and on that note, the dry humor of the scout wraps up the show. Thank you very much, my friend. Thank you.